show is sponsored by Hive Mind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the hive mind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings and of course to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io. Hey, welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Danny Martinez. I have a special guest, John Bianchi from Canada. He lives over the river from Detroit. We'll talk a little bit about that for the show, but he is a Airbnb data specialist. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and I was hopefully get into real estate too. So we're going to talk a little about that, but here's our guest, John. Airbnb is a little bit newer. I know it's been around for like five, 10 years here, give or take, but how long have you been doing Airbnb? Since 2017. Okay, yeah. 2017. <laughs> yeah. So you got ahead of it before it got popular. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, when I got started, I thought it was popular when I was getting started. So now it's like to the max, you know, or we'll see where it goes from here. But yeah. Okay, that's awesome, man. Since 2017, that's a long time. Now, are you a host yourself? So funny enough, I'm not right now, but I did have up to 15 locations in Chicago. I had a couple down in Scottsdale, a couple over in Michigan. And I sold all of them in 2020 when everything kind of fell apart. I had somebody who actually wanted to buy my portfolio at the same time. And so I just ended up selling off all of them. I was doing rental arbitrage and property management. So I didn't own any of those homes, but it, I was still able to sell all of the contracts. No, that's good. That's good. I mean, this, that, that shows you there's even revenue to me just by management. Now, I, I, know, I know rental arbitrage and management usually charge a lot more. So can you say what your rates were when you when you are chart when you do charge for management? Yeah, so management's the average is now about 20%. It was 30 when I got started. It's now about 20% though. And that's 20% on like the pretty well the entire revenue, right? So if the home makes a hundred thousand dollars, you're you're taking away 20 grand for managing that home. So that that's that's awesome. And then with rental arbitrage, it's really all about finding the right property at the right price. And that's really what's going to maximize that revenue for you. I never paid a landlord more than what they're asking in rent. So they didn't get the better deal. I always did. And that's kind of how I wanted it to go. But yeah, so you definitely, there's, there's definitely money to be made in management, especially if you get the bigger homes too. If you get those luxury homes, the luxury homes are doing like $200,000 a year and you're taking like 20% of that home. So it's, it's pretty impressive. That's crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah. You are in the arbitrage game, just essentially landlord of the rental uh, of the of the Airbnb itself. So, how much did you, was your exit on that portfolio? It was so about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Not a not a crazy amount. It was based off of the one year's cash flow for every single property that I had. Now I focused on really large properties. So I had the biggest properties in Chicago, which were four bedrooms in the high end neighborhood. And so each property cash flowed about $20,000 or more. And I sold them for that amount. And then 
However, with that being said, there's some people's businesses who have gotten, they get, they're getting multiple effects when they, when they're looking to sell. So that, but I also know of a company named Vacasa, which is like the largest management company that buys home for $1,500 a contract. So I sold mine for 20 grand. They, they were selling them for 1500. So it's, it, it varies a lot. Let's just put it that way. And I'm happy with what I got. It's not a bad win. What I hear is that you made $250,000 on stuff you didn't own. That's, that's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. Just on paperwork. Just on paperwork. And the, 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 a lot of people don't understand how much the paperwork's worth, but paperwork's worth $250,000 potentially. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's contract, right? Yeah. 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 If, you, if you get, if you get enough paperwork, you, you can make it, you can make it worth your while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get the good operations behind it. Get a good brand behind it. That paperwork becomes even more valuable. So, yeah. So, were you strictly on Airbnb? Because what I'm hearing now is a lot of people at Airbnb, they're, they're kind of diversifying their rentals across multiple platforms, including even building their own. Were you in that, that as well, trying to collect your own client database and sell your own clients directly? I actually never, I never did that. And, it, and during the time when I was doing it, it really wasn't a thing. There's definitely better softwares out there nowadays that allow for that. There's better marketing as well. If I were to be doing it nowadays, then like without a doubt, I'd be trying to do that. VRBO is 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 really difficult to use, and if you really understand Airbnb like extremely well, you don't need another platform in, in some markets, right? In some markets, VRBO dominates, but it's rare. And then another sort of issue that I have with direct bookings is repeat business. So I don't like repeat business because you have to give the same price usually from the year prior to the same people, and if they come back for ten years straight, you start losing profits, and so. You, you kind of dig yourself a hole, it becomes easier, but over time you actually might start losing. And, and I've seen that with a lot of people that have like long-term, they have, have had rentals for a really long time, right? So, but yeah, that's, that's my take on that. Repeat business. I never thought about that, but that, that would be a downfall. You have, to, you have to fight the uphill battle of like, hey, those are last year's rates. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> think about all the inflation that's happened this year, right? With the amount of inflation, like, you know, if you paid five thousand dollars last year, you're paying seventy five hundred this year, right? And like, that's not an exact science or a perfect form, perfect number, but the idea of like you're paying quite a bit more this year, and to have to go back to somebody who's been like a loyal customer to you and say like, I need you to pay this amount or you can't book. I mean, it hurts the reputation, right? That you're trying to build with your clientele. So you're but, better off getting new customers. Yeah, that don't question the rates because exactly. when, 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 when they look up the rates, they're looking at comparables. Exactly. Right. Cause it just, it is what it is. Right. So, so yeah, so there, there's, there's definitely pros and cons without a doubt with every single option that you take. Right. So what are you, what are you doing now as far as in the Airbnb space? Cause you sold your portfolio, you're not necessarily in management. So what are you kind of doing now in the Airbnb space? So during the time period of building up that entire business, what I learned how to do really well was understand Airbnb data and how to organize it, make sense of it and actually take actionable steps with it. And since I've stopped with my portfolio or sold my portfolio, I, I built a course that taught my process and I put that course onto YouTube. I didn't try and sell it. I just put it out there. I'm like, this is my process. This is how I do things when it comes to, comes to Airbnb data. And from that organically grew a Airbnb data consulting business. And so now what I do is I actually help people that are looking to purchase Airbnbs all across mainly the United States, but across the world as well. And I help them understand the data. I build reports for them. I analyze properties for them. And I just make 
their lives easier in a sense of and also give them the confidence to purchase that you know half million dollar home or million dollar home and with the confidence that yes it is going to cash flow or yes it is going to give you a 20 percent cash on cash right like or and more often than not i tell them not to buy it <laughs> you know what i mean so so yeah and and like the main goal that i have is i want to ensure that nobody's buying or you know signing a lease that would be an unprofitable airbnb and I don't want them to ever buy a home that would never be a profitable Airbnb either, right? So, and I know for a fact that the data in my process can help you figure that out. And then the last thing I like to do is ensure that people are able to maximize the amount of revenues that the, they're going to be getting when they're going into a market. Because the the honest truth is that most homes are better off as long-term rentals. After expenses, it would it'd be better off if it was a long-term rental, especially in metropolitan areas, right? And so... Uh, understanding the data and understanding what allows you to maximize the revenue and where within a certain market is the most money being made is extremely important and the data allows for that. Just to like give an example of this, I focused on four bedrooms within a neighborhood in Chicago and those ones would profit me anywhere from twenty to $40,000 of like of net profits, right? But if I were to focus on three bedrooms, I would have lost money, right? And and it's just because there's, there's a variety of reasons behind it uh, without going into too much detail. But that's the level of insights that, you know, understanding the data can really give you. Yeah. I travel here and there and I usually get Airbnbs. The, the, the cleaning rates are getting ridiculous lately, but <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. They're, they're getting ridiculous lately. But one thing, one thing I'm always looking for is at least a, like a two bedroom because I got four kids. So right. I'm looking for two, two bed. I got three kids, so I, I got. I usually put the two two kids in one, and I'll have like a, a little like to go crib thing. Yeah, yeah. So I only need a two bedroom, but coming forward as my as my youngest gets older, I'll need a I'll need a three bedroom at minimum. So I yeah. guess knowing knowing the numbers where people travel a lot and peak seasons and all that good stuff. Do you do analytics as far as like you do like consulting work as far as like hey. This might not be a friendly Airbnb city because now there's like municipalities that are fighting against it, like Hawaii. Uh, yeah, so I don't. So I don't do consulting on that just because it's not my area of expertise. I do know in a lot of different areas, you know, I know the regulations for a lot of different areas. So like I have general knowledge on it, but I always tell people to call up the city hall, call a lawyer, read through the ordinance or, or audience. I'm saying or, that Thank you. <laughs> and so, you know, do do the due diligence themselves to like truly figure that out. But I don't do direct consulting on it. It's way too much to keep up with. Cause like in Chicago, it's one thing in Nashville, it's another thing. And like, it's pretty well like that everywhere you go. They all have a different way. And like the, what I tell people though, is understand your regulations so well that you can still operate because a lot of people won't do the work to actually figure out how to get through the regulations. And that lowers competition. And so that's that's one thing that I was able to do in Chicago that actually helped me with my portfolio, right? Most people are like, you can't do Chicago. And I was like, yeah, you can. <laughs> and I just I just figured out how to do it, right? So so yeah, that's what I recommend. Op- operating within the, the the gray area. And I think I think that's for entre- all entrepreneurs in general is that you have to understand what you're going into fully and make sure it's a it's a right decision for what you're planning to do anyway. Yeah. And if you, if you do the work and other people don't. That's where you win, and they don't. <laughs> where you win, exactly. Yep. I always do say regulation first, data second. Right. If you can get those two figured out, everything else is is easily figured out. Operations and and design and whatnot. So I know there's technology to understand the data. Like I said, I'm I don't own any Airbnbs at this moment, but 
and I've heard of like Air DNA and all these. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's other services out there that that can help you understand the data. And I remember, I remember, I was I was trying to get, I was trying to do air arbitrage like two years ago, back before it was like 2019, might have been three okay. years ago, it was like 2019. Okay. And I remember looking at like Air DNA, looking at like comps for like town townhomes in Atlanta, because that's where I lived at the time. And I was trying to yeah. get a guy here. He had like five five units inside one building. So I was I was trying, trying to, to get work them. out. Yeah, I was trying. Yeah. I was trying to get arbitrage. And um, yeah, he don't want he don't want to sign the long term contract because they're already furnished too, which is like my my one thing I was trying to get because like for, they're already right. furnished. He was already used to short term rentals. He just didn't do Airbnb at all, and I was just trying to negotiate that. Interesting. So yeah, how do you, how do you do, how, has it changed since then? Because that's last time I did it. AirDNA was oh yeah. So AirDNA definitely still the leader in the data industry. There's a variety of other ones, but it's not worth getting into it. AirDNA is like they're the place to go. The reason why I have a data consulting business is because Airbnb data is or AirDNA's data is not displayed well, and they have a ton of bad data. So mm-hmm. the issue with their data is that they have these dashboards where you can kind of like hover over properties and see how much they're making, right? But the whole thing about data is you're trying to find a trend. You're trying to find some sort of consistency, some sort of pattern, right? I always refer to it as the Burger King logic. McDonald's spends millions of dollars to figure out what corner to be on. Burger King opens up across the street, right? And so you have all this data to figure out where you should be going, like where's making money, where's not making money, but you can't find the pattern because it's so scattered. And so what I have is a software that allows me to extract that data and then organize it in a way that you can sort it by neighborhoods and unit sizes. And then you can organize it by who's making the most, who's making the least. And you can see these, these patterns and trends and you can see homes that are, you know, making 150,000 and then other homes that are making 50,000 and they're both four bedrooms in the exact same market. Right. But so I teach this process of trying to fully understand like what allows a home to make 150 between in comparison to 50,000. So that when you're actually going to get that property, you're not picking up a property that would only make 50,000 thinking it's going to make 150,000. And those aren't made up numbers. I literally was just going through a report before we got on this call. So, so. it's, it's, this is, I, I interviewed an Airbnb person out of Jacksonville. He did like 3 million in revenue last year out of one nice. market, out of one yep. market. So he really understood his market. So that, and that's one of the things was knowing, knowing your numbers. He said that pools, Having a pool is like a huge, huge like revenue booster, like thirty percent or something like that. Yeah. So, want to know a fun little fact and a sad story? So, <laughs> pool heaters in some places make a world of a difference. So, I, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona. I got did all the research in Scottsdale, Arizona. This was, was like when I was like still learning the process of understanding it. I picked up two homes. Rent was like four thousand dollars a month on each. And I was expecting them to make, I believe it was $100,000 or around that amount. Uh, And they both had pools because everything said you need to have a pool. Both homes I picked up did not have a pool heater. And both of the homes lost about $20,000, $30,000 less than what I was expecting them to actually make. Simply because they didn't have a pool heater. And I didn't realize that until I was in the market long enough and actually understood like what was truly driving the revenue there. And the reason was because Arizona, like Arizona, yes, it has like this crazy hot time of the year. But then the rest of the time, it's just kind of like chill, right? And so you need that heater to expand your peak season further than just the three months. And I didn't have it on either. And so both of those properties, I lost like tons of money. Would it yeah. have been worth it to install the pool heater yourself? It would, it, it, I, 
like, no, it wouldn't have been worth it. It would have been better just to pick up and go to another property that had a pool heater and call today, you know, but, but <laughs> yeah. So sad story, but honestly, like the tiniest little details really matter. So even in Chicago, I focus on four bedrooms and I wouldn't pick up a home. I wouldn't pick up a four bedroom if it didn't have a dining room. And the reason was because when you have four bedrooms, you're hosting 12 people at a time. And if there's no dining room, there's no com there's not enough common area. And that actually decreases, it makes people not book your home, which makes you have to lower your nightly rate to actually get people to book it. And you end up making not the right amount. So yeah, so like that's a that's another big one as well. So I guess this goes back into the data too, because then you can see like what what your high performers are and what are they doing differently, even at the same size. You can kind of figure out like, hey, these ones because like I've seen like people they do like the they'll do like other artists coming in and paint some mural on oh, one yeah. of these big walls and just that's one of their driving factors is what they get. Or you get like these one-off destinations where they make like the, but that has nothing to do with you. You're looking for regular, regular base homes that you can kind of upscale or are already profitable in their own way. That comes with all the things you need it to come with. So that's where, that's where like the data is the best, right? Because it, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of those types of homes. And so you can find that pattern and that consistency, those special, unique, like one-off amazing homes those are the ones that are fun to look at and see how much revenue they're making. And, and like, personally, like I'm looking for that unique, um, unique home that like one off type home. And so I'm, I'm trying to understand the data from those homes, how much of a difference they're actually making in revenue and figuring out how to make that type of revenue as well. Right. So you, you can, you can get it from both for sure. Yeah. Airbnb, Airbnb is crazy. I watched, um, he was not one of my clients, but somebody I watched on social media. He had one house in California that made that, that brought in like 300 grand 2020, yep. even through the pandemic brought in like $300,000. Yep. I see so homes. That I, I think the highest I've seen is 900, 900,000 in a year, but we're talking like, like, massive, like massive homes, right? Like, and luxury, like luxury is its, is its own thing. I still haven't stepped into luxury just yet. I really want to get into that playing field, but it's a whole other ball game and, and you can make a crazy amount with luxury and big homes. Yeah. I think we were getting, we're actually going on a family vacation in the end of this month. And we got an Airbnb for like my family, my brother's family, my brother, brother's family and my mom. So it's like 30 nice. people. So we got like a huge huge something i'm excited yeah. to see it but i know it's huge it's supposed yeah. to sleep like 30 people or something where are you going yellowstone oh that's awesome that's gonna be sweet so we got like a big cabin i don't even know how big it is but i'm excited to see it because there's an airbnb i don't know how much they paid for it but um, yeah it'd be, it's gonna be that would be in the thousand to two thousand for sure per night like with, it's got to be right because that size home it's just you don't rent it out for anything less those ones so like my, so I also work for uh, Superhost Labs, which is a, an invest, a short-term rental investment company. And I'm the data analyst for them, right? And we were, we're, we're looking into these like 10 bedrooms that can sleep 20, 25 people. And it's crazy to think like how much we can actually make per property, but we still have to get at the right purchase price, right? So we, we still have like, we're looking at them and we know they're gonna make $250,000 a year. We know that, right? Or more. However, they're still too expensive because they because they're ten bedrooms. They're so unique, so they think they can just like ask whatever for it, right? But we, yeah. So those ones are those ones are the fun ones, without a doubt. So, are the company you work for? Are you buying Airbnb producing properties, or are you just buying properties and turning them into Airbnb producing properties? 
mainly turning them into Airbnb producing properties. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. one thing one thing I've seen and it's nuts, and not it doesn't make sense to me, but because I'm not actually buying those, but people are actually going to the retail marketplace and selling their Airbnb cap rate over it, it doesn't even make, it doesn't even make sense price. No, on the it doesn't make sense. So, the only way that you're ever going to make that work is in a vacation rental market where the vast majority of the homes are vacation rentals. That's the only way it's going to work. So there's people that have been trying to do that in metropolitans, right? Like in a metropolitan, the homes are going to be priced based off of all of the other homes, not because of your vacation rental revenue, right? But if you're going to be in like Gatlinburg, Tennessee, or if you're going to be in the area of St. Augustine, where you have a, a transferable license, right? Then you're going to be selling based off of your Airbnb cap rates. But, and that's where, that's where like, there's beautiful returns, especially if you get in before the regulation was put in place and you've got this license that's transferable to somebody else. And you, you know what I mean? And you bought your home based off of just like long-term rental rates or just like regular short-term single family home. And now you're selling it based off of like these Airbnb revenues, right? Like it's just, that's sort of the dream, but some people got lucky with that and it, and you don't really want to bank on that though, right? <laughs> you don't want to be trying to like figure out where they're going to change the regulation and hope for the best. Yeah. The, like I said, I've been, see, I've been seeing that lately. And I'm like, you guys are retarded. Like, oh, it yeah. brings us such, such amount of money. I'm like, there's too many open variables. And what if, what if Airbnb gets bought out or goes bankrupt or something? I don't know. Yeah. There's, too, there's too much risk involved when people are trying to, sell their $200,000 property for half a mil because of cap rates that it brings on Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, no, completely agree. And the thing is, is like, they could be right. You know what I mean? They could actually be bringing that amount of money in, but like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in a lot of markets. So, and it's, it's sad though. Cause like some people I've, I've talked to quite a bit of quite a few people and they'll mention that. And I'm like, I'm like list a property in a regular neighborhood against all the other comps that aren't Airbnbs and try and sell your home for 40% more than everybody else. Like, what do you, what do you mean? How do you think that's even going to be possible? Right. They're just going to buy the house next door that looks very similar to yours and turn it into an Airbnb. Right. Like why wouldn't they? So, I mean, anyways. and then it goes down to the, like your property is not unique. <laughs> True. You know? Yeah. Like then that's the perfect example just by the neighbor's house and, the exact same thing exact same thing yeah people are crazy people are crazy and it doesn't make sense but you can't you can't talk the crazy out of them no you really can't you just got you got to let crazy be crazy and just do your thing right so what's what's a way people can maximize airbnb rental or rental revenue so it's going to depend on the market it's it's definitely like a market by market thing and there's no i can't just say like hey if you're going here do this right now it's really about the amenities. So you really want to add a ton of amenities, but you have to be strategic about what the amenities are, right? So if you're going into cottage area, you want to max, okay, here's a better example, sorry. If you're going into like Phoenix, Scottsdale, that kind of area, so I have experience there so I can talk about it, right? You have to make your backyard into an oasis. It has to be like, I'm serious. It literally has to be like the way I always thought about it was when you go to an all-inclusive resort, you don't leave the resort because they got everything for you in the backyard, right? So that's what I wanted to do with my homes in Scottsdale. I wanted to make it like, you don't need to leave. You can just chill here and go for dinner and then come back and kick in the backyard, right? We've got, and so the people who are really winning are the people who have created this like literally all-inclusive resort backyard 
that people don't have to leave from. And it just gives all the games, all the entertainment. They can just like nonstop be back there and have a good time and just feel like they're doing great. Now that's, that's Scottsdale, right? So that's what people are doing in Scottsdale. If you're trying to figure that out for your market or whatever you're going to be, what you have to do is you literally have to open up every single top performing property. You have to go through them, see what they have and start making a list. I quite literally make lists all day of like, they have a large backyard, they have a fireplace, they have a, they have a lounge chair. And it's not like, you know, one property has it, eight properties have it, right? And these are the eight properties that are doing really well. And then what I also do is I make lists of what the people who are underperforming, what they have, what they don't have, right? And so I'm getting an understanding of like, okay, these are the things that are that have to be driving revenue because these homes are making double the amount of the other ones, right? And then you have to factor in things like bad hosts and and, and luxury and stuff like that. But if, if you can sort through it well enough, you start to understand if I have... A, a hot tub, I quite literally will make X amount more. If I have a dining room, I'll make more. If I have a heat pump, I'll make X amount more, right? In like really condensed uh, metropolitan areas, uh, an extra bathroom tends to make you $20,000 more. So two bedroom, one bath compared to a two bedroom, two bath in downtown Chicago, $20,000 more. Like it just, it, it's it's the really competitive areas make that happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really going to mention this because uh, my, like I said, I always bring it, like I said, I use my personal experience on this one. So yeah. my wife does my wife does my booking. She's like, I'm gonna choose this place because it already has a uh, a, a crib. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But might you, you might be you might be paying a premium that would be the same amount as buying a crib. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or something like that. Like, but it's the convenience of it, right? And it's actually so I love that you mentioned that because you know, like I let my girlfriend book out the Airbnbs that we're going to as well, right? And that tends to be the case, right? Like the, the, the women like to book the Airbnbs and like guys don't really care. They're like, where am I going, right? Not going to generalize. I'm not saying everybody does that. I'm just saying it's it's the most common one, right? And yeah. so what I used to do is use color psychology. So I would paint my homes in the colors that attracted the women that wanted so that they would want my home over another home because they liked it more than others, right? So like the light blue was the color that I wanted to pull people in. And it's just like, that's, you know, that's the strategies that you got to do to win nowadays, right? Like, and it works. So, and like every, yeah, everybody- you have, you, have to, you have to gain the female gaze because they're the ones booking, not us. That they're the one, they're, I literally, every time I put together a home, designed a home, thought about the title, I was just thinking like, what would pull in the woman who uh, is going to be booking this? You know what I mean? The, the mom who's who's booking this for their, their family. Like, what is she thinking about? What does she care about, right? She cares about the crib that's already there, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it, so. it's, it's, it was funny to me because, like, me, I, I didn't care. I wasn't even thinking about the baby. I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's why I had to put myself in the mindset of a woman because <laughs> I wouldn't think of that either, right? It'd be like, you got, it's all those little details. So, yeah, little details, yeah. man. What is a good cap rate for everybody who doesn't know about cap rates for Airbnbs? What's a good cap rate that is good for Airbnb? So, I don't, I don't use cap rate actually, because kind of how we talked about, right? Like you can't sell based off, off of cap rate for the most part. So the way that I like to go about it is I use a 20% rule. If the revenue that I'm expecting to make is 20% of the purchase price, I know it's going to be a really good buy. Anything above that is great. 15 is my 15% is like my bare minimum, right? So if, if I'm buying a million dollar home, it has to make $200,000 a year. And, and if it, if it's like, Maybe closer to 150 with the potential of doing 200, then we'll, we'll, but that's 
that's the kind of like rule without having to go deep into it works really well with Airbnbs. You can get rid of a lot of properties that way. Yeah, it's a uh, rental cap rates for regular rentals. People are looking for like, like 15% is like amazing. But I mean, it sounds yeah. like you're going to get a rate of return no matter what. What's your expenses? And and that's 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 a different thing too because your rentals for a rental is going to be less than your rentals with the exactly Airbnb property. So I what's your what what's your, what's your percentage of profit per se? Because I know you have to do it. We have to you have cleaning fees. You might have extra amenities you offer stuff like that. So what's your like your your re- actual profit on a regular like revenue for house? Um, yeah. So this is this is one that. I don't have a percentage and the reason being is because I used to focus on just how much cash flow did I think how much net profit did I think I can make from that right and it yeah. would depend, it would depend on different locations so I would as an example so like four bedrooms in in a certain spot I would want to make $20,000 of cash flow and that would work out to be about 20% right but there was other times where I'd look for two bedrooms in a certain area and I was still trying to make that $20,000 and it would it would work out to be like 30 or 40%, right? And so and that's just because in you know one area I had to in that the four bedrooms I was spending way more on rent than I was for the two bedrooms and my and my expenses were also larger because it was a larger space with more people, right? And so uh like I guess what you you know you want to make at least you know 15 to 15% like minimum on your cash on cash that you're putting in there. I think that's like a great bare minimum and you can, and it's tough. It's tough to answer that as well, because if you're going to, if I was in Chicago to clean a four bedroom costs $120, $125 to clean that, that four bedroom. But in Scottsdale, it costs $250 to clean the exact same size home. Right. And so your expenses change quite a bit and you have to keep that in mind as well. Right. And, and like you have to factor that in. So I guess it, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, the 20% rule definitely helps, but try to get like a 15% cash on cash minimum and you're, you'll be sitting pretty. You're supposed to say it depends. It depends. Okay. Okay. That's a good, I'll keep that in mind for next time. It depends. <laughs> it depends because like I said, people want like straight answers, but like, you know, like, no. it depends. I know everyone, everyone, like I honestly, people give me shit all the time. They're like, can you just give me a, like a quicker answer? And I'm like, no, because you can't, you can't get a quicker answer out of that. Like you would you know what I mean? It, it's, it literally depends. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use that now. It depends. Yeah. It depends. depends. Where are you talking a, about? B to C, A to F. Yeah. Give, give, me, give me an exact property. Give me an exact area. Even the exact area won't matter. You know what I mean? Like, cause there's a lot of variables within different unit sizes. So, so, and this, this is, this is a great point too, because you can't give, you give like definitive, you got to do like ranges. Like, Hey, this is the high end. This is the low yeah. end. You're yeah. going to be somewhere in here in the sandwich of if you yeah. do this, this, and this. Exactly. So we, the way I like to do this is, is like something I say, I'm a hundred percent confident that we're going to make a hundred thousand, but I'm, and I am 75% confident that we could potentially get to 125,000 if we do X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and our, and like, I'm, I'm a hundred percent confident we're going to make a hundred thousand. And, but like worst case scenario, if we made 80, we're still good. Right. But you don't want to say I'm going to make 80 when really, you know, you're going to make a hundred because you're going to miss out on properties that would have still penciled. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So let me ask you this. 
is it how how easy or difficult is it finding cleaners in different markets virtually? Uh, it depends. <laughs> so you're learning. You're learning. is there is there like tools or resources you can go to that yeah. you can find cleaners in every market? Yeah. So like. <laughs> Personally, I've never really had an issue with this. I've heard of other people that have. I actually had my own Airbnb cleaning company as well. So we we cleaned all of the homes. And it's that's honestly like if you're looking to get into Airbnb and if you want to do it on a large scale and if you want to do management or, or rental arbitrage, you can literally double your profits just by owning the cleaners and managing and like controlling all of that. We never really had issues. We had to work to find the cleaners for our, for our company. But when I didn't own the company, I, I mean, it wasn't really difficult. I reached out to a bunch of different people, interviewed the different companies um, and tried to find find one that worked. When I first started off in Chicago, like Airbnb in Chicago wasn't a thing really. So there wasn't a lot of Airbnb cleaning companies. And so I had to have a weekly meeting with my with the cleaning company that I chose to create SOPs to get the homes cleaned within the certain time frame and done properly. And then it was honestly like through creating all of that for them that I was just like, why am I, why am I paying you? I'm like, I'll just do it myself. So, so anyways, it depends, but generally like you can definitely find a, a good cleaning company. The more remote you get, the harder it's going to become. If you are looking for just an individual cleaner, look for a mom who's a stay at home mom that's looking for something to do while their kids are gone away to school. That's the best recommendation there. So let's talk about, you kind of over, you kind of overstepped this, but I'm, I'm going to dig in a little bit deeper. Doubling your profits by starting a cleaning company. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's super, it's super overlooked, but cleanings, there's beautiful margins on cleanings. Like there really, there really is. It's like 50% profit margins, right? Cause it, you're, you're just mainly paying for labor. You know, the, yeah. the bigger you get and the more you scale, like you're, you're going to be cutting into your profits. But I was paying my cleaners $15 an hour in Chicago, which was about way above minimum wage for the time. And, you know, they were getting bonused out as well. And that worked out to be about $60 per turnover that I was paying just to the cleaner. Right. And then I had, you know, some additional like cleaning supplies, expenses and, and whatnot that was mi mixed in there as well. Another 15 bucks per clean, maybe like that's even overestimating it. But I was before I was paying $125 per clean and I cut that down to 75, which means I'm essentially putting $75 into my pocket on every single turnover. And there's about you know, six to 10 turnovers every single month. So you're looking at an additional somewhere around like 600 to a thousand dollars, no, 500 to $750 a month that uh, you're, you're making per home, right? Additionally per month. And when you're doing management, generally like you're, it's not a, a perfect double unless you're, you're talking about like a one bedroom or a two bedroom for mine. I had like four bedrooms. So you know, my management fees was 20% and the homes were making like $80,000 of, I was taking 20% of 80,000, right? Which works out to like 17 or $18,000, uh, $18,000. Yeah. 16, 16. Yes. So, you know, with the cleaning, I was ending up making like almost $10,000 a month, a year additionally off of that. And my, my management contract was 16,000, right? So it's not an exact double, but an extra $10,000 in your pocket. I know, I know I, the numbers I gave, it's not, it's going it's uh, to vary per property, but yeah, it's five, vary. 500 to 800 a month per property per property. You, you, like, you're not, you're not going wrong. It's a little bit more work naturally, but what I actually did. So what I did was I hired somebody to run the cleaning company and the management company paid her through the cleaning profits. 
So all the profits that came through the cleaning company that I just like opened up by doing that was, was able to pay her. And she also ran my day to day of the, the actual Airbnb company as well. Took care of all the, the maintenance, the, you know, took care of the, uh, she took over the cleanings, which allowed her to take over the maintenance. She took over the guest communication. She took over everything. And I was able to give her a good salary because I was paying her from the profits of the cleaning company. So yeah, which, which gave me so much free time and then allowed me to find more properties. Right. So total win-win. No, that's good. That, that, that's a good, it's a good little tidbit because I mean, 500, 700 a month, that adds up pretty quick per property. Like I said, that's, that's most people's, that's most people's uh, rent profits they get per property on a regular rental unit. And exactly. that's more, that's actually less because most people get like three to 500, you know, and you're at the yeah. five to 800 <laughs> yeah. per, per, per unit. Per so unit. It really, really adds up just by running a cleaning company. No, that was that was a good little tidbit. I really want to dig into that one because, I mean, that's just something you're overlooking and overstepping by not doing it. On my YouTube channel, if anyone wanted to find me on YouTube, it's just John Bianchi. If you look up Airbnb data, actually, it'd be a significantly easier way to find me. But I interviewed a guy who has a cleaning company that does a million dollars a year in revenue, and he's he's from Chicago. Great guy. He cleaned some of my properties. We talk all the time. And like, I was like, man, I got to get you on my channel. Like nobody knows about Airbnb cleaning and, and like the amount of profits you can make from it. And so he got on and he explained his whole business. He explained how he does things and explained how much money he's making. He doesn't manage any properties. He doesn't have a single property that he takes care of. He just cleans Airbnb properties. That's it. So it, it is business that you really wouldn't think of, but it exists. It exists. That's the that's the beauty of when opportunity is created. There's so many things that follow it. And yeah, yeah, which that's is huge. Cool. That's cool, man. What is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with? Uh, this is has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But the first thing that popped in my head is this too will pass. I don't know who I can't remember who it's from, but I've recently been hearing it quite a bit from like multiple sources. So, sounds like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's more of a it's more of a quote that is a reminder that uh everything that's good and everything that's great will eventually pass. You know what I mean? So this too shall pass. So if you you know if you're ever going through a tough time, like this too shall pass. And so yeah, totally off topic, but it's the very first thing that popped in my head. No, that's that's, that's the point. I want to get you on your toes. I'm gonna make you a better speaker. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good, man. Where can people find you online? What's your, uh, go ahead. You, you know your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So best place to find like all my content everywhere I put it is on YouTube. If you were to look up Airbnb data or air DNA, you're going to find two courses online that teach you my entire process, everything you need to know. It's completely free. So you can go in there, a bunch of other videos too. John Bianchi, B-I-A-N-C-H-I. That's where most of my stuff is. And then I have, you know, my other links are on there. So you can get my Instagram and, and Facebook and whatever else you want. But honestly, like if you're looking for help with purchasing an Airbnb or trying to find the most profitable place within your city, and I have reports that allow you to figure that out very, very easily. And the process is online for free. So all you need is a report. So if you want to talk about that, if you want some general advice, reach out to me. My email is hello, H-E-L-L-O at pointanalytics.co. So yeah, hello. Perfect. That works too. Yeah, yeah. And I and I like to talk to everybody. So like I like to hop on a Zoom call and see how I can help out. So final question, kind of alluding to what you're saying. 
How long does it take for a new novice to underwrite a property, if it makes sense for them, using the free tools you provide? The, the course that I have that teaches you about how to go through the report and teaches you my process is a two and a half hour course, right? It's what I call a little mini course. And that you can put it on double speed because I, the way I speak, you can put on double speed and still understand everything. So you can get through it in an hour and a half. Then with that knowledge, you can start going through the data and like depending on the size of the market, you can figure out where, how profitable a place is or underrated place in quite literally like an hour to three hours, right? So within one day or half a day, you can know where the most profitable money is, most profitable places within anywhere, anywhere you're looking to go. For myself, like I can figure it out in about a half an hour, right? Easily. And then, I'm, and then I find the next place and the next place and the next place. And so, yeah, like it's, it's pretty awesome, right? I, I, Going to Phoenix, Arizona, and within like a half an hour, I know where I can make a huge return based off of the properties that exist there. Yeah. The reason why I ask is because people are like like, oh, it's going to take me a week. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, no, no, no. It, it's yeah, it's. I mean, like, it depends on how many places you're going to look into, but most people are just looking into one place, right? Yeah. Uh, and you figure out that one place, and you know, you can figure it out fairly quickly, and then from any time after that is just bonus, right? You're kind of learning it a little bit better. So yeah, gotcha. All right, man, go check it out. Link will be in the bio. We'll, we'll put his email and his uh, website and all that stuff to get a hold of him and definitely learn how to do some research and figure out if you're getting a good deal or not. Don't miss that opportunity. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. The show is sponsored by The List Guys. Do you need more leads in your local or virtual market? One in 10 small businesses don't invest in any kind of marketing. The List Guys have over 35 plus list types to choose from and you can mix and match any list or criteria. We also use the skip trace list and provide up to seven numbers and email addresses. Every list you purchase will be scrubbed against previous purchases. The List Guys are here to save you time. Contact the List Guys today at www.1listguys.com. That's www.1listguys.com. This show is sponsored by HiveMind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the HiveMind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings. And of course, to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io.